you're turning there, I have another uh, real quick, very exciting announcement to make. Uh, most of you know that we have officially sold this building. Um, now that's contingent on us getting into a new facility, so they're not going to kick us out on the street, but um, we do need to get into a new facility, and so the, the, the news for you is as of, I think, two days ago, we got the official approval from the bank that we are in communication with for the loan. Yeah, we should be cheering about that because this bank has never given a loan to a church before, ever. And so um, we just, we're just so happy that God is leading us and opening doors. And you know what? If he tells us to stop, we're going to stop. And if he tells us to go a different direction, we're going to go a different direction. We're just trying to follow his leading, and, and he's opening the doors as we go. And so we're trusting that uh, even in our interaction with, with the bank, it's going to be a ministry uh, to that world. And so it's an awesome thing. So uh, I tell you that both so you'll know, but also families so we could be praying together. This isn't like, you know, the staff and the church is some institution trying to do something. This is just us as a family, you know, whether we should be in this building or another building or what we're going to do as a faith community. So let's be praying together. Amen? Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. This is a few, we're going to read quite a few passages out of Matthew 6 today and pretty much stay here. So uh, if you know anything about these chapters in the book of Matthew, just to set the context a little bit, this is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's sort of Jesus's, um, I don't know, either most comprehensive or at the very least longest recorded sermon or message speaking on numerous different subjects at one time. So we sort of put a lot of weight on this teaching in this gospel and, and Jesus revealing the heart of God and sort of going beyond just the surface level commandments to what was really intended behind the commandments that God gave. Um, and so he, he speaks about a few things there in, in Matthew 5 and then he moves to uh, what we have here is Matthew 6. Of course, they didn't have verses and chapters back then. But we're gonna start in Matthew 6, starting in verse one. This is the red letters, Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching here, and this is what he says. Beware, or take note of, watch over, watch over, beware of, practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. I just want to clarify what that word righteousness means. For us, I think maybe if you're like me, we typically view that word righteous to mean somebody that acts right or somebody that, that's a character trait. They're a, a righteous person or they're a good person. But in this particular context, in this text, that word righteousness was a a term that they used to describe a particular action, which was giving to the poor and the needy. So when they would use the term doing an act of righteousness, that meant giving to the poor in this context. Now, we know that the word righteousness has a a much broader um, definition in the context of the whole scope of the scripture, but in this case, that's what he's talking about in particular, okay? So he's talking about when you give to the poor and the needy. I want you to take notice of the fact that he's making the statement basically presuming or assuming that it's something that you are going to do. And you'll see as we walk through all of these different subjects that he's, he's speaking towards something with the assumption that you're going to do it. All he's really teaching on is the motivation behind with which you do it, okay? So you'll see what I mean as we move along. Beware of practicing your giving to the poor and needy. Beware of doing it before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and the street corners do, that they might be praised by others, that they might be praised by others. Start to notice these terms. They're doing something in order to be seen, and they're doing something in order that they would receive something, namely, the praise of others. Verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He moves on to the subject of prayer. And when you pray, again, an assumption that God's people will pray. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they stand and they pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they might be seen by others, that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have already received their reward, but when you pray, go home and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump down one last uh, passage, verse 16. I don't mean to jump over the Lord's Prayer, it's incredibly important but it's a whole sermon series on its own. So just to hit on this, uh, this third subject, he's talking about giving to the poor and needy. He's talking about prayer. And now he speaks on fasting, verse 16. And when you fast, when you set aside time and set aside things, whether it be food or whatever in your life, to single, uh, single out your pursuit of God or to strip yourself of the, the needs that you usually fill yourself with to, to really train your body and teach your body uh, of the need that you truly have for God, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, uh, that their fasting might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. See the pattern? But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may uh, may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that we share together and that uh, we do invite you into this room though we don't need to because this is your house, this is your time and your space and we are your people. But we just want you to know, God, with one heart as a community, uh, we, are, we are desperate for you and you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, we ask that you would build your kingdom this morning and that you would speak whatever it is that you wanna speak through this text to us. I know nobody came here to hear from Craig Brown. They came here to hear from you, God. And so speak to us, convict us, transform us, have your way in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message today is Motivation Matters. Motivation Matters. Now, I wanna paint a picture for you and you're gonna think this is sort of crazy and it is, but just go with me for a moment. Remember that age you were when you uh, looked forward to your birthday party? I don't know what age that would be for you, but typically kids, yeah, the young man in the back's like, yeah, right now. Uh, you know, that age where it's like you were counting down the days until your birthday party and it was gonna be a celebration and all your friends were gonna be there and maybe there's gonna be a pinata or you know, cake or ice cream or whatever it was gonna be. It was gonna be themed. My daughter's uh, four right now and she knows full well that she turns five in two months. And she said, I'm gonna have a princess party. You know, and Anna and Elsa are gonna be there. And, and she just loves Frozen. Like, so anyway, so she's looking forward to this party with everything that she is. And I don't know exactly like really what she's looking forward to, but sometimes my daughter 
I know she loves me. In fact, just last night we were talking about she changed her favorite colors. Like you could change your favorites. She's, it used to be pink and purple, but now she says my favorite color is blue, Dad, because that's your favorite color. And so I need to, I need to get new curtains in my room that are blue. And I was thinking, I don't spend the money on that. So I go, how about this, Jace? I'll change my favorite colors to be purple and pink so you keep your curtains. But anyway, <laughs> I know my daughter loves me. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite colors are purple and pink. <laughs> she, she loves me. And yet, there are times when, like, if she knows that I'm coming home with ice cream for her or that piece of candy or whatever, it's like, I'll come in the door and she'll say, Daddy, where's my ice cream? You know what I mean? You know that, what I'm talking about? And it's almost like it feels like, hey, do you really want to see me or do you just want the thing that I have to give to you? You know what I mean? And so imagine if this were possible, which I, I would hope and think that it's not, but imagine you're getting ready to go to your birthday party and there are three maybe major things that you would expect to, to find at that party. One of the major things you'd accept to receive would be presents and lots of them, <laughs> hello. Uh, one of the things you'd expect to receive would be maybe good food, cake, ice cream, whatever it might be. And one of the things you'd expect to be at that party would be family and friends. So just imagine this scenario. What if when you arrived at your party, the only thing that was there was what your heart really, really actually wanted? Like if, and I'm sure for most of us, your heart probably wants numerous things, but let's just assume that, you know what, your cousins are all crazy and when you have family functions, everybody's just yelling at each other and you know, drunken Uncle Bill, you never know what he's gonna do and so you're really honestly not that excited about the family part and none of that family really knows how to cook and so the food's typically terrible and so what you're really looking forward to is all the gifts that you're gonna get. So let's just say that that was the motivation of your heart. When you arrived at your party, there will be no people there, no family, no friends, no food, but you'd have a whole lot of presents. How would that feel? Let's take the second situation. Let's say that, you know, maybe you didn't grow up in a family that had an abundance of wealth or, or typically, you know, you just didn't do a lot of presents and that's totally cool. And so the motivation of just getting presents to be at your party isn't something that you're sort of angling for. That's maybe not the motivation of your heart. It's not really about the presents. And, you know, let's just say for this person, yeah, the family is uh, equally as crazy as the first person's family. And so you don't really care about them, but there's always good food at family gatherings. And so at least you have that to look forward to. So person two arrives at their birthday party and, and there's no gifts and there's zero people there, but there's a great spread of food and cake and ice cream and everything that you would want. And then if all the trend, the third person would be this. Maybe you don't really care, you're not really motivated by the gifts or that's not really your heart's desire and you know, maybe the food, nobody really cooks well or whatever and food comes and goes and you know, it's just a thing, it's, it's whatever. But what you really care about what you're really looking forward to in going to that, that family gathering, that birthday party, would be the friends and the family that are there to show you love, to commune with each other. And so when you show up, there are no presents and there is no food, but you have your friends and your family with you. Now I know that all three really of those situations are it's sort of a funny um, story or funny uh, situation to bring up, but I, I thought of that because I, I think in some ways it sort of relates with what Jesus, the Son of God, is teaching in this passage. 
You know, if you read the text, he says over and over, even in all three places, he uses these terms like, if you're going to do something with the motivation or in order that something will happen, then that is the outcome that you're going to get and no further reward from God will you get. Did you pick up on that? If you're gonna give to the needy, and he says, he's basically speaking towards motivation, isn't he? If you're gonna give to the needy, quote, in order to be seen by other people, then you've already received your reward. That is, if you're gonna go to the party and you really just want the presents, then when you get there, you'll get the presents and nothing more. And he goes on, if you're, if you're going to pray and you're gonna stand on the street corners and in the synagogues and you're gonna pray, you're gonna do something that really ought to be an act between you and God. I mean, prayer is for God. If you're going to do that so that other people will see you and think that you're holy and think that you're pious and, and look up to you in a sense, then you're setting up as your motivation that as your reward and he says, you've already received your reward. But instead, if you go into your closet and you pray, showing that your motivation is just for God, then you will receive a reward from your Father in heaven. And he goes on, of course, it continues with fasting. If you're going to fast, which is a, a spiritual act that you would do in order to go closer to God or to p- petition God for something in your life, it's not meant to be done so other people will see you. If you're going to do that and, and make it obvious for everybody to see, then that's your reward and that's what you're gonna get. I think that this speaks to uh, uh, the principle that is all throughout the scriptures, in particular the gospel, that the heart is what matters to God. We see this even from the beginning, we see this in, in David. You know, he's a man after my own heart. This is what God cares about, is our heart. And I think the principle is this, that, that God cares about the why just as much as the what, if not more. God cares why we're doing things, not just what we're doing, am I right? You could come and sit in church for your whole life and never listen to a word or never have your heart interact with God's heart and it could just be the what and there's no why behind it and it would all be for naught. Motivation matters. Of course there's something to be said for obedience But God doesn't just desire our obedience. In fact, he talks about this uh, in the Old Testament. He says, you know what? The sacrifice is not what I want. What I want is a broken and contrite heart. He wants our heart, friends. Our motivation to pursue God is what it's all about. He wants what's real inside of us before he wants us to just try and do what's right. Of course he wants both. Now I wanted to lay that foundation because uh, really what this message is this morning or this afternoon I suppose is about money, stewardship, and blessing. And it's funny because um, I, I feel like I'm fairly young, you know, probably in most people's eyes, you, you know, I'm pretty, looked at as pretty young, but uh, I feel like I've kind of been I guess, it, as, to, as you could say, around the block when it comes to the subject of money and the church and the spiritual sense and what the Bible has to say about it because I've felt almost every way that a person could feel about the subject of money being spoken about in church. 
It's one of the reasons why I feel like I'm um, qualified to speak on this subject, not because I'm old or not because I'm rich or not because I'm poor, but because I'd imagine that wherever you are sitting in this sanctuary today and however it is that you're feeling right now, I'd imagine that I've felt that before because I've been on the end of, of just not only just checking out when people would speak about money in church, I've been on the end of, of literally becoming angry when somebody would speak about money in church. And I've also been on the end where I literally, it's just a, has been a joy to me to, to give to God fully of everything that I've had and everywhere in between. And I've, I've thought about this subject a lot and when I was younger, when I was going through college, I was studying theology and young theology students think that they know everything and so they just judge everything that everybody else says and so I, I'd go to church after church and the, the girl I was dating at the time, now my wife, Jessica, she's like, I don't wanna go to church with you anymore. Because any church we go to, all you do is just pick apart whatever the preacher says. So I'm not gonna go with you. And it's like, wow, I am a pretty judgmental person. But at the time, uh, when it came to, in particular, the, somebody speaking about money or finance or whatever, I would, I would immediately sort of judge them and become really critiquing of, and looking back, I'm sure I was wrong. I'm sure I had some strongholds in my life and some things that God had to work out and I've repented of that, but looking back, I think what maybe bothered me, at least a lot of the time, was wondering what motivation the preacher was speaking with. So I don't know where you're at in this room. We have so many generous people in this church, and I just wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from our lead pastors. We are so proud of you. Uh, You are a generous family. But I I felt like I should speak towards the subject of, of finances for honestly about, a year, and uh, a month ago or so, J.O. said, hey, I want you to preach on this weekend, and we weren't in a sermon series at the time, and I said, is there going to be something in particular I should speak on? He said, yeah, we'll be in a series called The Blessed Life. It's about stewardship, and my first thought was, wow, God, I feel like you've been asking me to speak towards this subject, and my second thought was, I really don't want to speak towards this subject. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just uncomfortable sometimes to talk about money and finances because I remember how I would feel about it, and I I just hate, I hate it when people come into church and think that that's what it's about. Because that's so not what it's about. You know, and even, even uh, the title of this, this series, The Blessed Life, so often it seems like we, we don't have really a definition for what that word means. And, and it seems like in the world that we live in, even on social media, you know, hashtag blessed, it, has, it always has to do with like, you know, you get a new, <laughs> thanks Eric. You know, you, you get a new house or a new car and you're taking the selfie and it's like, blessed. And, you know, everything is awesome. Like the Lego movie. And it seems like, to me, sometimes we feel like we're blessed if we have an abundance of wealth or material things. Only. And I'm not speaking against that by any means. Man, God has blessed us. God has blessed many people in this church. He has blessed us to have this church, this building, and if we move to another building, that is a blessing from God. Let's not get it wrong. Every good thing comes from our Father above. And so he does bless us. But that doesn't only mean that we're gonna have wealth and riches. Am I right? Blessing is not just God giving us material things. Blessing The truest blessing is to know God. Sometimes, you know, if you're like me, 
Uh, take your own relationship with your mom or your dad. When I was 15, I really, really wanted a car when I turned 16, and so I found myself going to my dad, seeing what I could do for my dad in order that my dad might give me something. You, do you know what I'm talking about? You try and do something to earn something. And I wonder if sometimes when we're talking about blessing in the spiritual sense, we sort of, our heart's motivation is I'm gonna come to God in order to show him that I'm righteous or good or whatever in order to get something from him. And that couldn't be further off from what our heart should be. We shouldn't just seek his hand, we should seek his face. This is the truth. When we have God, the greatest blessing that you can have in your life is to know God. In fact, that's what eternal life is. If you read in John chapter 17, it's the only place where Jesus says exactly what eternal life is. He doesn't say it's gonna be mansions in the sky and naked babies playing harps in the clouds, <laughs> even though our art portrays it that way. Jesus says this, you could find this in the beginning of John 17. He says, uh, Father, would you, uh, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I know that's sort of ethereal and out there and it's not tangible, but that's what eternal life is. That's what heaven is. And whatever comes along with that, whether there's homes or crystal seas or golden streets or whatever, none of that really matters if we're in the presence of God. And right now, we can live our life fully walking with God in relationship. That is the greatest blessing that we can have. And so when we have him, when we have relationship with him, he is going to take care of whatever need that we might have and that is gonna be a blessing unto us. For, for him to give us what we need is a greater blessing than for us to get whatever we think we want. And so let's read on in this passage. I hope, I hope you have your Bible still open or if not, it's gonna be behind me. It's just the very next verse. It's interesting that Jesus makes this progression through his teaching. Right after fasting, verse 19, he moves on to the subject of money. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is concerned with our heart. He wants your heart. He knows that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will end up, and he knows that wherever your heart is, there your treasure will end up. It's both and. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, with our eyes, we see the world around us and, and the material things and the wealth and all that, and it's, that's where the lust begins. That's where the covetousness in us begins is with our eyes. It says, keep your eyes clean. Focus your eyes on me. I am the author and the perfecter of your faith. And if you look to me and chase after me, I will take care of all of your other needs. And he says this profound truth. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's a truth, that's a spiritual law. We can't serve both God and money. But the beautiful thing is that we can serve God with our money. We can serve God with our money. And even from the beginning, 
We see this with Abraham. When God first interacted with man, he says this, I'm going to bless you in order to be a blessing. That's why we're blessed. It's not just so we can amass things for ourselves and and build these little kingdoms for our family. It's so we can bless the world around us. It's so we can bless the heart of God in pursuing him and serving him and serving people. And I wanna encourage you this morning, this afternoon, where's your heart's motivation? And of course I am speaking a little bit more towards finances, but this, this goes to every area of your life. What's the motivation behind the way that you spend your time? What's the motivation that you have in how you spend your words? What's the motivation that you have in uh, how you interact with your family members or, or what you pursue in this life with your job? What's your motivation in your job? Is it because you wanna uh, really acquire a position of stature or a certain uh, you know, prestigious position? What's our motivation? And then, what's your motivation when it comes to your giving? And what's your motivation when it comes to not giving? I remember when I found myself when I was in those years of my life, at times, because I felt like the person asked with wrong motivation, or I felt like the teaching was off, somehow that justified me to just never give. I don't know if you ever found that in your life that you can critique something and then use it as a justification for not doing something that really God has asked you to do. And uh, I, I guess I would say this, this was heavy on my heart towards our church and I didn't say this at the other services, but I want you to know, and I'm sure you guys know this, but from the top down in this, in this family, just so you know, if you haven't been around other churches or uh, some of you have been you know, around a lot of places, but I, I want you to know that the hearts of our senior pastors are so genuine. From J.O. and Ray Dean, and they don't do what they do because they're trying to build, you know, I know it's like, why do we need a new building and stuff? And it's just because we're trying to reach people. And I, I felt like God said this, and I should have said this at their services, but if this church, if you don't trust the motivation of this church or your leaders, then you really should find a different church. There should be a place in your life, somewhere in your life, where you can give not only financially, but yes, financially, and with your energy and your service and your time, there should be a place that you trust enough to give. And if it's not here, then you should find somewhere else. So I would hope that people don't hide behind, I don't know, I don't know if I trust the motivation or I don't know if I trust the wisdom of the leaders or any of that. You, you should either trust what God is doing in this family or you shouldn't. And if you do, you should get on board because this is what we're doing as a family. And yes, part of it is, is the legacy campaign and, and moving to a, a new building or, or maybe we won't move, but building God's kingdom in this city and, and that being about people is the only thing that we're about. And so I would encourage you, whether it's about you know, your view of, of church or giving, and, and, and again, I don't say any of this because like, I feel like people don't give in this church. You guys are incredibly generous. And again, I applaud you for that. I just, I felt like God wanted to really speak his heart towards the matter of giving because we live in this world that, um, you know, people kind of, if you get on Google, you can find all kinds of opinions, you know, and, and, and I've done a lot of research, like I said, on this subject because my heart really wanted to know, God, what is the truth? 
What is it that you really want? And so I've studied, you know, Old Testament law and New Testament. Well, what's the difference between the two? And, you know, if you, if you study what people think and what people argue, a lot of people would say things like, you know, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And, and, and so they would say, you know, in the Old Testament, yeah, the, the law was that we should all give 10% of our finance. In fact, 10% really belonged to God, not to us. And yet now the New Testament, we're under grace, not under the law. And what's interesting to me, more sad to me, is that it almost seems like the rhetoric that's used is that if we're under grace, that somehow means that we're less obliged to do what God would want us to do. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, oh, we're under grace, so we can just sort of do whatever. And the truth of the gospel is this, and I'm not just talking about your money. The truth of the gospel is this, that, that God doesn't just want 10% or 20%. God wants 100%. That's what Jesus came to establish in the new covenant. It's not that I just want you to follow this rule and, and don't do this and do this. And, and he wants 100% of who we are. He wants all of us. He wants all of our heart. That's the gospel. He wants all of our time. He wants all of our energy. He wants all of our money. And I know that's a heavy thing to say. And what I'm not saying is that you should give all your money to the church or that you should give all your money away even. Although there was somebody that came to Jesus and he said for him, you should give all your money away. He went away sad. What I'm saying is that sometimes if you're like me, it seems like we can, it's almost easier for us to just rely on a law that was given to us and we can sort of check out, our heart can check out because we're just sort of doing this thing uh, you know, without thinking about it. Let's just take the example of tithing. You know, hey, every week I, I or every month I pay the 10% or whatever and I don't even think about it. And that's a great thing if you do that. I'm glad you do that. But I think that God would, would desire that with every dollar that comes into our house, we would say, what would you have me do with this? With every amount of time that we have or, or everything that we're gonna pursue, what would you have me do with this job or that job? Or what college would you, would you want me to go to? I want, I want you to guide 100% of who I am and what I pursue and what I do with my time. And sort of to compartmentalize God is just such a weird thing to me. You know, like, I'm gonna give you two hours on Sunday morning, but the other 176 hours of the week are mine. That's religion. What God wants is a relationship with us all the time. Am I right? And so to live a blessed life is the life that is in line with God and who he is in our life. To live a blessed life is to live a life that's in pursuit of God, is not to just try and get something from God. You know, nobody gets married because they just really want somebody to do their laundry for them. Or man, I just, I'm gonna get married because I, I can't wait to have somebody to cook me a meal every night when I come home. Or for somebody to provide for me financially. At least that's not how good marriages should operate. You should get married because you find somebody that you love with all of your heart and with all, and you wanna spend the rest of your life with. You wanna be with that person. And all of the other things that come along with that are just byproducts. It's the same with our relationship with God. We shouldn't just be chasing the blessings that maybe he could do for us. We should chase after him. Because whatever it is that he chooses to give us or not give us, and we're walking in that relationship with him, that's the greatest blessing that you could ever desire to have, I'm telling you the truth. We see this even in Saul, uh, the Apostle Paul. You'll find this in Philippians chapter three. I mean, he felt like he had everything going on. 
You know, he, was, he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I, I had it going on. I was a Pharisee. In regard to zeal, I was persecuting the church. He said uh, he was faultless in regards to the law. And then he says this, you'll find this in Philippians 3. Whatever was to my profit, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a garbage for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and being found in him. And if you know the text, it goes on in, in chapter four, he goes on to say, I know what it is to live in plenty, and I know what it is to live in want. I know what it is to be well-fed and to be hungry, and I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's where that text is that people like to quote so much. That's where it's found. In the midst of a man that's in prison, speaking about knowing what it is to be well-fed and hungry. And so this is, this is the point. There are many rich people that don't live blessed lives. And there are many poor people that live extremely blessed lives and everywhere in between. This is the truth, that if we have God and he is our all in all, our life will be so blessed. Salvation is the greatest blessing that anybody could ever acquire. And salvation is not just getting a thing, it's getting a relationship with a person. And you know, in this life, God will take care of whatever needs that you might have, whether it be financially or otherwise, because he knows what you need. And that is a blessing. Hey, Seth, will you hop up here? I'm gonna wrap up this service in a second. I wanna just share this story with you. Um, sometimes it's difficult for preachers to preach on this uh, subject of money, in particular, really because of the texts that I was preaching from, because you don't wanna speak in a way that makes it look like you're saying, look at me. And, you know, that's basically exactly the opposite of what Jesus is teaching. And yet sometimes it feels like, man, if only the church would just hear the stories of what people are doing that are genuine and how God moves and how God re responded to somebody, you know, uh, serving in this way or giving sacrificially or whatever it might be, it would encourage the saints. And so I'm going to tell a story right now of uh, something that God did in my life. And it's really not bragging because it was one of the stupidest things I've ever done. But you'll see how beautiful God is by the end. So when I was a senior in college, uh, it was about January, I think, maybe February, I got a call from a friend of mine, and he said that his mom worked at a church, and she had received a phone call from, from a man. He wanted to speak with a pastor. And she didn't have, it was like 9 o'clock at night, and he was at the Denny's on Division, and he just wanted to speak to a pastor. And so she wasn't going to bother the, uh, I think, the head pastor of the church, or he couldn't do it or something. So she called her son, and her son called me, and the two of us went to this Denny's on Division Street at 9 o'clock. And I was at this, this uh, place in my life where either I was trying to prove something to God, or maybe I was trying to prove something to myself. But I feel like in many senses, I was really in this place where I was saying to God, everything that I have is yours. And I want to show you that you have all of me. I hold nothing too tight in my grip. I just want, I just want to know, even for my sake, that I, I'm willing to serve you, go wherever you call me to go, do whatever you want me to do. And so that was the context of the life I was living at the time. I went to this Denny's, and the conversation that took about two hours looked, uh, sounded a lot like, and it was a long conversation, but it basically sounded like this. This man just condemning and critiquing the church for being all about money, 
for being all about greed, for being uh, coercive, and you know, the pastor of this church ran off with my wife, and all these accusations, and my heart was breaking. I was, I was in tears just saying, sir, I'm so sorry for these things that you may have experienced, but I want you to know that that's not who God is. If that's what, what you experienced, that's not the kingdom of God. And because he was speaking so much against uh, money and possessions and the church being greedy and all this stuff, I was like, felt like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna show this guy that that's not what it's all about. And so at one point in the conversation, I said, look, you think it's about possessions? It's not, I'll give you whatever. And so I slid him the keys to my car. I said, take it. And he got up and he left the Denny's and I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I mean, I was freaking out. My dad bought me that car. And he comes back in, sits back down. And we keep talking. And, it, and again, it gets to this place where I say, money, 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 blah, 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 all you guys want is money. I said, dude, I, it's not about money. I could care less. I'll give you all the money I have right now. I opened my wallet, I had $20. And he said this. He said, that's easy for you to give me $20. If it was a million, would you give it? And I was like, I don't know. So I said this, you know what, fine. Here's my debit card. Take it. I don't care. And I, that's an idiotic thing to do. I don't recommend this <laughs> at all. I gave him my debit card and I told him the PIN number. And then he, he quotes back to me the PIN number and it was wrong and so I went out of my way to correct him and make sure he knew the right PIN number. I don't know what I was doing. It's like one of those situations where God like used something that the devil planned for something good, you know what I'm saying? Those Romans 8 situations. So what happens is the night ended and I was just pouring on my heart and I thought that he had put my debit card back in my wallet and I thought I had it. And then in the morning I woke up to a phone call from my bank, uh, what is going on? And, and the, the gentleman had hit every ATM from here to Bellingham and uh, $200 limit at every ATM and what's, what's really cool about Visa or your bank is if, if you want to, uh, you could set up something called overdraft protection. So if you don't have enough money in your bank account and you want to withdraw money, it'll just start coming off your credit card. Not that cool, but. <clears throat> so I was in college and I had $700 to my name. That's all I had in my bank account. And the $700 was gone. And then I had this cool thing called overdraft protection for another $1,000. And so uh, I lost every penny that I had and then I lost an extra $1,000 that this man had stolen from me and he was, you know, poof, gone up in Canada or wherever. So I was was down everything I had and then negative another 1,000. I lost $1,700. And so I I was crying and called my dad. We went into the bank and and the, the teller said, do you have any idea how he got your PIN number? You know, <laughs> I'm telling you this story because though it was a stupid thing to do, I feel like my motivation was right. My heart was right. I just, I, I was willing to give it all that this man might see Jesus. And I couldn't, I couldn't forfeit the integrity and the motivation of everything that happened the night before for the sake of a lie this morning. And so when he asked me that question, I had to tell him, I gave him the pin number. And you know if I would have told one lie, the bank would have given me all the money back. They do cool things like that when somebody steals your card. But I told him, I gave him the PIN number, and he, you know, 
he was very polite, but he probably was thinking, this guy's an idiot. And I went on my way. And this is where the story ends. I just want to encourage you with this. Uh, within the span of the next two weeks, somebody had put $200 into my Bible. And I found that at one point. I don't even know who put it in there. Another one of my friends came up to me and said, I feel like God wants me to give you this $400. And so they gave me $400 cash. And then another one of my friends came up to me and said, I, I feel like God wanted me to give you this $100. And so that's $700. And then this is what happened. This is what really blew my mind to know that it was from Jesus. It was second semester of my senior year of college. Tuition had already been paid to the institution. I had loans, whatever, you know, Sally Mae or whatever had paid Whitworth their money. And so the loans that I had then, you know, I was going to start paying after I graduated. So my tuition was already paid in February of my senior year. And somehow I get this random scholarship. I don't even know where it came from. I don't even know what it was called. Who gives scholarships to people that are already in their second semester of their senior year? It doesn't make sense. But I got a scholarship, and Whitworth said, if you get a scholarship and your tuition's already paid, we just write you the check. So, uh, Craig, we've got this check for you for $1,000. We're going to send it to you. And of course I was crying because God didn't give me less, and no, God didn't give me way more. And you know what? Sometimes God does bless you more than you give. In my particular situation, maybe because I was an idiot, he's like, I'm gonna give you just exactly what you lost. <laughs> but it was, it was just an amazing thing to experience the freedom of that situation. Because when you approach something with motivation to just serve God with your whole life, Whatever happens, whether I ended up with less or more, or I got kicked out of this house, or I lost that job, or whatever, God has our back. And that's the greatest blessing that we could ask for, not anything that he might give us or not give us, but we have him. And that's all we need, amen? Would you stand to your feet? Um, <clears throat> you know, I was just praying coming up to this week, and I felt like this end time was what I was really a little unsure of what God wanted to do. I was really asking him, you know, what, what would you like to do in this end time as far as altar call or whatever it might be? And I realized, especially when it comes to the subject of money and, and in this church, there's so many generous people. And so I'm not really trying to you know, speak down to you about money or anything. I just, I really believed that God wanted ultimately just to speak his heart towards the matter. That he just, he, he really doesn't care about our little green pieces of paper. That's not what it's about. He wants our heart. And he wants to reach people in this city and in this world. And so whether it be an issue of finances in your life or maybe what you uh, pursue in your job or, you, you know, stature or the possessions that you have or the things that you do with your time, I don't know whatever it is for you. If there's any area that God was speaking to you uh, this afternoon, something that the Holy Spirit was speaking on your heart, maybe your heart was heavy in particular on a particular matter, I just, I'm going to close in prayer right now and I just would encourage you to, to come forward and, and pray with somebody before you leave today. And you wouldn't know if that's you because your heart would be heavy. 
And sometimes it's just there's so much freedom in confessing to a brother or sister something and, and just saying, let's pray in unity that God would, would lead me out of this. That, you know, let's, I want my motivation, I want my heart to be right. I want my heart to be right in my giving. I want my heart to be right in the fact that I haven't been giving. I want my heart to be right in what I do with my time and whatever it might be. I want God to change my motivation. I want God to have my whole heart and my whole life. So I'm gonna close in prayer right now and if if you need prayer for anything at all, please come forward. These folks will stay up here for a few moments after service. God, I thank you for this afternoon and I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person that's here today. And I thank you, Lord, the, the message that you would speak to each of our hearts is different. And we're all in different places and the journey that you have us on is good and that you are the author and perfecter of our faith and our life and our destiny. And God, we just commit ourselves to you. And we ask as genuinely as we can, God, let your kingdom come in our life, in our heart, and in this city. Lead us with this legacy campaign. Lead us with this new church building. Whatever it is that you want us to do, God, make it clear. We don't want to manufacture anything on our own. We just want to follow you. We love you, Jesus. To you be all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.